Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, the Tuesday edition, Mo Moten, Scott Branson back with you. We hope you're having a good week thus far. Of course, another victory week for the Raiders. Yes, they moved to 3-3 three and three after the 21-17 win over the New England Patriots. Of course, the, the student overtakes the master, if you will. And uh, we're here to talk about the game. Of course, we did do the postgame show, but now we get to dive a little bit deeper with my man, Mo. Of course, uh, make sure you follow us up on X.com. Mo is the senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. Follow him at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, uh, as well as the show being S-N-B today. So follow all three of those up there. Also, subscribe to the podcast wherever you may get it. Wherever you get your audio, just look for Silver and Black today. Mo, first time we've had a chance to talk since uh, the game on Sunday, and it's eerily familiar to last week when the Raiders won. Of course, now again, as I said, won uh, two straight. Fans are kind of up and down about it. Of course, they're happy their team won, but at the same time, not happy that they made seven trips uh, or six trips to the red zone out of seven possessions, could not score a touchdown except for once. So that issue that's been around uh, these parts, as far as Raider Nation is concerned, for several years, now under a second coach, it continues. But overall, some real big positives to take out of this one. Number one being the play of the defense. Again, wins the game for them. Max Crosby with the sack at the end to get them over the 20-point hump. Right, everybody, a little golf clap uh, for the Raiders on that one. Uh, But uh, give me your impressions uh, from the game on Sunday. And what do you thought? What do you thought about that defense? I thought they played uh, pretty well most of the game, not the entire game, but most of the game. They played well enough to win the football game, and that to me, that's what matters. As you mentioned, Max Crosby also blowed Nichols, closing out the game with a safety. So that's consecutive weeks where the defense closes it out. Was last time a Raider fan could say their defense closed out consecutive football games to win? Uh, I would say it's been a very long time. Me covering the team and following the team. But, of course, you know, the elephant in the room is the offense. You mentioned it, one of six in the red zone. That's not going to get it done against good football teams. The Patriots are headed toward dumpster fire territory right now, so it's good enough to beat the Patriots. But as I mentioned in my power rankings that dropped on um, Tuesday, dropped today actually, you know, the Raiders are going to have to play the Miami Dolphins soon. They're going to, you know, that's not going to cut it against the Miami Dolphins who put up points. They're going to have to play the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football in a couple of weeks. It's not going to cut it against the Detroit Lions who are putting up points. So while it's fine now and you don't apologize for a win ever, I think Josh McDaniel said that in his postgame speech, it has to be a lot better. But I, I would just say, you know, you take it one week at a time. I know it hasn't. The offense hasn't looked like it's headed toward any type of improvement. But who knows? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is questionable. Maybe the offense gets a spark out of Aiden O'Connell, assuming he does start, because I think he should start over Brian Hoyer. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, and, and we'll get into the offense, uh, particularly here in the second segment. Um, but I do want to jump around a little bit and just and get some thoughts and, and let's discuss some of the things from the game here. Uh, number one was on offense, 
we one thing that was done well uh, for most of the game was the fact that we saw some tight ends actually used, right? Even when Garoppolo was in the game, we saw Michael Mayer come out. They specifically targeted him. Uh, and I think that it was interesting because we've been saying this for weeks, right? Where is the tight end? Why aren't you using Michael Mayer? This is a guy you drafted in the second round. Also, you have Austin Hooper, okay, veteran, Wiley veteran out there as well. And I think we saw those guys out there in specific sets run routes where they were even open at times and Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't finding them clearly in that first drive where they use Mayer that's that scripted drive and you could see the influence there and they were actually targeting him then later in the game also they used both both those guys as well were you encouraged I mean look there's a lot to be discouraged about on offense but on the positive side of things uh, I was glad to see that finally I mean, you drafted him in the second round. It's about time. I, like I said, for some, for whatever reason, Josh McDaniels is very slow with getting some of his offensive players going. I remember talking last year how it took him a month to get Josh Jacobs going. Mm-hmm. We're still waiting for Josh Jacobs to get back going, by the way. But it took. It's now taking him about a month and, and a half to get Michael Mary involved. Now it was great to see him involved. Now let's hope this continues. Let's hope this is something to build on. And not just a spark, not just a one-off thing, because I think he mentioned, Joshua Daniels mentioned in the press conference that when you have a guy like Devontae Adams who's being doubled, that means somebody else is going to have to win their one-on-one opportunities. And early in the game, it was Michael Mayer. And throughout the game, was Jacoby Myers, as, as it has been when Jacoby Myers has been on the field. So I think Michael Mayer is just another wrinkle that the Raiders have to continue to work in. And, of course, you saw the, the long pass to Trey Tucker once Brian Hoyer got in the game. By the way, that 48 pass to... Trey Tucker was the Raiders' longest pass play, longest play period of the season. So it's kind of interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo started all these games and Brian Hoyer comes in for Jimmy Garoppolo and has the biggest play of the Raiders' season. So yeah. that tells you a lot about the Raiders' uh, non-explosive offense this year. Yeah, and and again, we'll get into the offense in depth next segment uh, because there's so much to talk about there. But back to the defense. <clears throat> of course, we knew Max Crosby is going to do what Max Crosby does. Uh, and they actually contained him pretty early, I thought, in the game. We saw a really good push up front, Mo. We saw early in the game against the Patriots. And listen, I know who the competitor was. I know they were playing, uh, I think no one would deny, one of the worst, definitely bottom three or four teams in the NFL against the Patriots. They're devoid of talent, and they're really not that great. But that defensive front, we saw some push early on to pressure Mac Jones and I, it, it was so foreign to me watching Raider football to see a push up front. Yeah, I think John Jenkins also had a sack Sunday. So, it, they, I mean, there is some progress there. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think the Raiders still need help in the pass rush. I still think they're going to acquire a veteran pass rusher, whether it be somebody on the interior or on the edge, to help out Max Crosby, opposite Max Crosby. But it was good to see that the Raiders finally get some pressure up front. But, again, I, I just don't think it's enough to be some of the upper echelon teams, but I, on a positive note, you you are seeing strides from the defense. And that to me, it's, it's kind of disheartening because again, fans can fan however they want. They can react to wins and losses, however they want to, however they want after games. But I think with all the fire, Josh McDaniels chatter, people are missing out on a lot of good play on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Tyler Hall also, had a pretty good game. I like how the broadcast pointed out that I think it was Tony Romo saying that he's really impressed with Tyler Hall. I was one of the people that said Tyler Hall should have made the 50-man roster and didn't. While Knight Hobbs has been out, Tyler Hall has stepped up and been a pretty big fact. He's been a factor of that defense and the strides of that defense. So I think a lot of people are missing out on a lot of defensive play. Trayvon Merrick coming up with another interception on Sunday. He's been consistently on the rise since, since a rough start to the season. So while, while I understand the frustration with the offense, I think people need to give a lot of credit to this defense and the way it's playing right now, regardless of the opponent caliber. Yeah, and I thought, I thought we saw Meek Robertson do well. He had the one long uh, interference call, which you, you, know, you could argue with maybe. It was a little, a little ticky-tack. Um, that that sometimes is let go, but still, was it a penalty? Sure, but then he comes back, gets a sack himself, part of a sack as well, and I think that 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 back end has played much better. I think the 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 one person who has not done as well, and we didn't expect him to be again an All Pro, but Marcus Peters has been has been I think the one spot surprisingly as a weakness, right? But that's that's just how it goes. So 
we'll see how it rolls. But I, I like the way, and I think you've hit on something there that's important. And even when it comes to the Raiders overall, I get it. This this fan base wants the team to win so badly that when there is things that go wrong, because on every football team, I mean, if you watch the game on Sunday night, remember the Bills were almost basically crowned going to be with Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, maybe go to the Super Bowl, you know, and they almost had the same record as the Raiders. Now they won, they pulled it out. But again, you just never know what's going to happen. It's a tough league to win games in. I'll agree with Josh McDaniels on that from his presser. But I do think that not focusing on some of those positives, especially I think too, Mo, Patrick Graham, look at the scheming that he's done, what he's done against some of these opponents. To your point, not great teams. I get that. But it's refreshing to see that he's learning and he's adjusting to his talent. And he's also mixing up uh, what he's doing as to not let the other team catch on quickly and adjust as fast. How, how many times have we heard this season to say oh, the Raiders are going to be the get right game for whatever offense they play? So yeah. it, which is it? You can't have it both ways. You can't say on one hand, the Raiders are the get right game for any offense and then say, well, they played a bad team. So that's why the defense looks good. You can't have you. You yeah. see what I'm saying? You can't right. have you can't say both things and, and be like, well, I'm on this side. I'm on that side. It's either the Raiders are a get right game or they're not. And right now that defense, the way the defense is playing, they're not a get right game for any offense. Right, because if if they would have lost to the Patriots and the defense play, played poorly, what we'd be hearing is, oh my, how bad is this defense that they play this terrible team? <laughs> so yeah, that's the thing. That's the can't win either way type of situation. And it's it's not, and to your point, people can, look, I there's fans who like that negative kind of, hey, they better be perfect or I'm going to be upset. And that's, that's your right. That's totally fine. I'm not telling you not to do it. But I do think most fans look at the mixed bag that is the Raiders. And I want to make this point. And that is, are we really that surprised, right? Now, we're surprised by the offense and its inefficiency because we were sold on the veteran quarterback coming in and being able to be more efficient in the red zone and all that jazz. But you and I both picked them around seven, eight wins, okay? We knew Six, we eight. knew, and didn't think they'd be a playoff team. So are they playing? Now they're at three wins. Can they win four more in 11 weeks? I think they're that good that they can win four more in 11 weeks, right? So, so I'm not that surprised. I think fans who are, who are very optimistic, and that's great too. Like if you walk around your life being optimistic, you'll be much better off. You might be disappointed at times, but that's okay too. Uh, but I think that for most realistic people, nobody had this team making the playoffs. So where they're at right now, there are some some really big concerns. But overall, through six games, Mo, I don't think you or I had them over three wins, did we? I think I had them at, let's see, I'm looking at my, just thinking back. I had them beating the Broncos. I had them beating the Steelers. And I had them beating the Packers. So I actually had them three and three at this point. But I right. had I didn't have it exact. I, I had them losing to the Patriots and beating the Steelers. I think that was the only thing that I mixed up in my offseason predictions. But I, I did have them at three and three at this point. Yeah. What I did have is them falling apart in the second half of the season. Because as I said, in the second half of the season, it gets a lot tougher. You're going to play the yeah. Dolphins. You're going to play the Chiefs twice. You're going to play the Lions soon. So I think that's when it, it's going to probably fall apart if the office doesn't get it together but you got the giants coming up i expect the giants to pull back i expect the aaron Rodgers to be there for the jets he won't be there that's a winnable game next week if we're just looking short term the bears may not have justin fields who dislocated his thumb on sunday yeah. so you might get tyson badgett their undrafted rookie backup quarterback so we may be looking what did i say last week scott i said we may look up in the Raiders be four and three after that bears game yeah. And I think it could very well happen, especially if Tyson Badgett is playing. So I will say, while I'll, let's address the elephant in the room, a lot of fans are going to look at this and say these are empty wins because at the end of the day, they're just going to finish 6-11, 7-10. And I will say that if you want to build something foundational, if you want to build a winning culture, it starts with winning football games. So whether you feel like they're empty wins or not, whether you feel like it's playing you out of a quarterback in the draft or not, let's just remember. I, I remember I shared a text with you and Evan Grote, our buddy over there, uh, over at Sports Night, along with you, and I said more than half the quarterbacks in the league were not top ten pick. More than starting, more than half of the starting quarterbacks in this league were not top ten picks. So just because the Raiders don't have a top ten pick doesn't mean they can't get their franchise guy. The biggest problem is Judah Raiders had the coaching staff to develop a quarterback mm. prospect into a starter that's not a generational prospect. 
Yes. And we're going to talk about coaching uh, later in the show. We're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to get into the offense or lack thereof as Jimmy G heals. And again, we wish him the best from a human perspective, but from a play perspective, not so great. And we'll talk about that too. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo and Scott coming right back at you after these words. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, as we roll on here on this Tuesday, we hope you're doing well out there. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. And just turn on the auto-download. When you do subscribe, do that. Every time we push a new show, it's going to be right there on your phone. It's the easiest way to do it. Also, hello to everybody on YouTube. Thanks for subscribing to the channel there and also hitting the notifications bell. That way, when we have a new video premiere, you'll be the first to know. Momotin Scott Branson back with you here talking Raiders football. We're going to dive into Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, the Raiders offense, uh, and the disaster we saw in the red zone uh, this past week in the win. Yes, it was a win over the Patriots. But first of all, I want to I want to get general here just for a minute because I real I was looking around. I thought NFL action this past Sunday was some of the strangest and and weakest meaning that I think there was only two teams that scored more than 26 points, right? We're in the era of these spread offenses where points are put. Now, Miami, of course, put up more than 40 again. They're the most fun to watch team in the NFL, by the way. Um, you look at this, and I, I realize, to your point you made last segment about if you look at the quarterbacks taken in the first round, it's only 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 half, right? Or less than half taken in the first round. Um, and so top 10, top 10, excuse me. That's what I meant to say. So you look at this and I really believe you get outside the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. We're, we're sort of in an era of mediocre quarterback play. If you look at it, uh, you look at a lot of these teams, the starters on these teams. If this is eight years ago, these guys aren't starting in the NFL. So it's really interesting, and I know that So when the Raiders complain or Raiders fans complain and we sit here and talk about and analyze the fact that the Raiders don't have good enough quarterback play because they currently don't, Jimmy Garoppolo has been a complete bust in Las Vegas thus far, then you start to think about it. It's happening all over the league. So when you hear people saying tank for Caleb Williams or tank for Drake May, it's not a given. You don't know that that person's going to work out. But I'm just shocked at what I'm seeing because you have all of these offenses built to put points on the board, Mo, and and we're not seeing it. Yeah, and just to kind of rehash my point at the end of the last segment, it, to me, it's not about... Now, of course, if you get it, if you can get a generational quarterback prospect that could take your franchise to another level, you look at guys like Andrew Luck, you look at what Joe Burrow's doing now, you know, he didn't put up big numbers. Joe Burrow arrives on the scene in Cincinnati, and all of a sudden they're Super Bowl contenders. You get those type of quarterbacks that can immediately elevate your franchise, great, and you get the number one overall pick. But most teams are not going to get the number one overall pick. So what you have to have is a coaching staff that can develop that quarterback prospect. So you get quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts in the second round. You get Lamar Jackson, the last pick in the first round, and they turn into franchise players because they have the coaching staff to develop them. So it's to me, it's less about the quarterback prospect and more about who are the guys that you have teaching that quarterback, developing that mm. quarterback, cultivating that quarterback skill set. To me, that's more important. And I, I'm not going to call out coaching in the NFL across the league, but I also think that with a lot of young guys coming up, it also, you know, their development, 
they're going to be hit or a lot of them are going to be hit or miss. I wrote about Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, how he had a good game in week five. I believe through for a season high 329 yards comes back on Sunday, throws three picks against the Washington commanders who looked awful the past couple of weeks. So you're going to ride the ups and downs of most quarterback prospects, most quarterback uh, quarterbacks who are in, in their early stages of their development. But as far as the quarterback play this season, I would say before we say it's the, it's the era of mediocre quarterback play, I would just let the season play out because I think a lot of these young guys are going to start to play a lot better toward the end of the year. Yeah, no, I agree with you on the young guys, especially. And and that brings up a good point. And then we'll delve into the Raiders offense. So excuse me, but I, I just think this is important as the Raiders look for uh, their next veteran, or excuse me, their next franchise quarterback, which maybe they already have on the roster in Aiden O'Connell, we don't know, uh, is the fact that these young guys, look, we go into week six and the conversation was, now, we know C.J. Stroud is doing incredibly well. He's off to a great start, and good for him. You and I called that. We wanted the Raiders to move up to get him. But Bryce Young, everybody, bust. It's like, dude, it's six weeks. You're playing the most important position in the game, and you want to give up on a kid in six weeks. I won't do it. I mean, and I think that's to your point, and that's what I, I want to ask you this question. is: You talk about developing a quarterback. It doesn't matter if they're the first pick in the draft or they're the 40th pick in the draft. At that position, it takes time. So I think we are so quick as a football community, I'll call it, or a culture, people who watch, people who fan, people who cover, to give up on these guys way before it's time just because they can't win games in the first six weeks. I think we were kind of spoiled. We had an era where we watched Drew Brees and Brent Roethlisberger, his prime, and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and, and those guys are now – not in the league anymore and we're like okay who are the next crop of quarterbacks let's let's remember a lot of these quarterbacks that are starting and are coming up are in their early to mid-20s we watched we watched guys like i said breeze brady roethlisberger you know in their 30s and they're performing at a high level of course they're in their 30s the 30s we're talking <laughs> we're talking about guys that are 25 24 years old yeah. give it a give it a chance like Guys like her, I mean, of course, Patrick Mahomes is established now. He's got some Super Bowl titles, but guys like Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts and even Lamar, at, you know, is still there's still room for growth with those guys because they're sure. still all young quarterbacks. None of these guys are in their 30s yet. So yeah. I know a lot of people want to criticize the quarterback play, but I think it's because the last crop of quarterbacks we watched, you know, wildly wildly experienced and and a lot of them won Super Bowl titles, yeah. multiple. You know, so we, we're looking for that. We're looking for that era again. And it's it's going to take time with guys in there that are between 23 and 26 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and look, I know they're not a great team, but look at Sam Howell in Washington. Now, I know he's inconsistent so far, but you see that in young quarterbacks. And when he's on, though, man, let me tell you, I watch that kid. I'm like, holy crap, where'd this guy come from? Right. So so I think that you there is a patience thing. And I know. When it comes to the Raiders football, people don't want to be patient because they're tired of losing. And I get that. But you might have more losing ahead with a winning quarterback. I mean, with a young quarterback. This is a funny thing, Scott. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm not painting, you know, anyone, you know, any fan base sort of broad brush. But yeah, the, the whole thing has been just win, baby. And now the Raiders are winning and people are still not happy. <laughs> And I understand it's because they want a certain quarterback in the yes. draft. And they think these, as I said, are empty wins. I don't think there's a such thing as an empty win. But it's it's funny how Josh McDaniels can sway the the fan base from just win, baby, to, yeah, I, I don't want to win that way. Not because I want Josh McDaniels fired. It's it's amazing to me how, how that's come out. Because yeah. let me tell you, a lot of people are happy after these Raider wins. It is interesting, and I think that comes from a little bit, and, and Murph and I talked about this on the postgame show, it, 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 it stems from the desire to want to be a really good football team, and people don't believe this is a good football team. But you don't wave a magic wand after winning only two games and getting the second or third pick in the draft or the first pick of the draft, and then suddenly you're good. That doesn't improve the center of your defensive line. It doesn't improve your offensive line, right? Even like you talk about the Bengals. Now, the Bengals... They get Burrow and they get to the Super Bowl on an incredible run, but their offensive line stinks, right? It almost got, I mean, it got Burrow hurt the first year. And then the second year when they made it to the Super Bowl, they couldn't end, they couldn't win the game because they didn't have protection up front. 
So it's a mixed bag. I get it. I know Raider fans would say, I'd rather trade that than, than not making the playoffs, all that stuff. But we talked about it too the other night, Mo, which is you got to build the team through the draft. And the, the Raiders had so many draft picks over the last five years and, and, and just crapped the bed on drafting players under both regimes, I think. So you look at that and you think, well, you should be a lot better. So it's not that losing games is going to necessarily make you better because you still got a hit on the draft and it ain't easy. And I think a lot of fans w- would want to see Josh McDaniels fired and that's why they'll they'll be able to stomach a loss because it means Josh McDaniels will be out of a job and they can get a, a better head coach and then have a better future. I, I get to, trust me, I understand the long-term ramifications. I get all of that. But at this point, you're not probably you're not in range for Cleve Williams. He's probably going to be the number one overall pick, and you have several teams in front of you: Denver Broncos, the Raiders already beat the Broncos this year, and they're still awful. You know, the Carolina Panthers don't have their first round pick, but that pick goes to the Chicago Bears. So the, right now, the Chicago Bears have the first two picks in the draft, and let me tell you, Justin Fields hasn't done enough to keep his job there. No. If they have the first two picks in the draft, they're drafting a quarterback. So the Cleve Williams thing, Raiders fans can get, forget about that, and that's why I encourage Raider fans to watch. Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix on Saturday. Watch uh wa- watch Ewers in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, watch Shadur Sanders in Colorado because one of those quarterbacks or multiple quarterbacks could fall out of the top ten and still be in the Raiders range. And like I said, it boils down to do you have the coaching staff to develop that quarterback prospect? Yeah, and, and we'll have to see. I mean, look, I know fans don't like it because this offense is is beyond disappointing. I mean, there's 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 no other word to 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 say here but disappointing because you have a top paid offense in the league, top five. You have a veteran quarterback. You have an offensive line that was pretty good to end the year last year that has regressed. You have a running back. Now, listen, I understand they showed the stat on Sunday afternoon about how many times Josh Jacobs is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. We know there's an issue with the line and blocking for the run, but I will say some of it is also on Josh Jacobs because I watched other running backs. Mo, would you say that the New York Giants defensive, um, excuse me, offensive line is a good run blocking unit? Absolutely not. Right. And I saw Saquon Barkley the other night in his first game back behind that terrible, terrible offensive line make plays. So, so I'm not, I'm not trying here to come on and just slam Josh Jacobs, but I am saying that not all the responsibilities on the line, there's multiple things can be true at the same time, as we always say on this show. And I think that's part of it. So we're not seeing them perform, Jacobs, the line. Uh, and and certainly we're not seeing this offense move, meaning there was questionable, again, I thought game management, also scheming towards the end of the game when they were down in the red zone and running on third and two up the middle when you have not been successful running up the middle the entire night. So you're telling me you're just playing for a field goal. Uh, so coaching is an issue here, too. But let's start with the quarterback situation. Jimmy Garoppolo, hope he's feeling better. Um, again, comes out, looks uncomfortable. Couple nice plays that are scripted. Uh, but I just don't know. I mean, what 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 in his play, Mo, could you tell a fan, hey, it's going to get better. He just needs more time. I don't see it. I don't see it either. I will say that if the run game gets going, I think you'll see a better version Fair. of Jimmy Garoppolo. Fair. But, uh, you know, as far as Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback, isolating him from the rest of the offense, he is what he is. And, I, you know, I I said it during the offseason. Mitty G is, is who I see him as. He's just not an upper-tier quarterback. He's a mid-quarterback who's supposed to take care of the football. Now, he had an interception on Sunday, but I don't – I. I would say that 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 was not his fault. You know, Devontae Adams got you know hit, hit one of the biggest hits I saw on Sunday. Yeah, from a from a Patriot defender, the ball flies up in the air. What I will say is Jimmy's fault, or might be Jimmy's fault, is how many times have we seen Jimmy throw a pass to Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams get popped for a big hit? Jimmy Garoppolo has to see that play develop. So if you if you can foresee a player closing down on your wide receiver. Don't throw that ball in that spot because you're setting up your wide receiver to get a, to get walloped. And how, again, this is not the first time Devonta Adams has been walloped after a catch. I right. remember there was a pass way downfield a few weeks ago. I believe it was against the Steelers where Devonta Adams is going up for a pass, 
and he just gets whacked. And I'm like, Jimmy, you have to be able to see that for your wide receiver because he's obviously Devontae's not paying attention to the defender. He's paying attention to the ball. So mm-hmm. you have to guide your wide receiver into open space, not into trouble. And that's what worries me about Jimmy Garoppolo, aside from the interceptions and his pocket presence, is that he's leading Devontae Adams into these dangerous situations where Devontae Adams gets hit after or right before the catch. And and he's not He's, he's just not finding him. Again, Devontae Adams. Look, you know in games, and after after the 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 win last week, Devontae Adams said, hey, look, I'm going to get double teamed. You guys still got to find me. Well, they didn't find him again, except for what you're talking about, of course. But they didn't find him again in this game. And then you see him towards the end of the game. Now, it could be maybe we're reading too much into it, but his body language was not great. Sitting on the bench with a towel over his head. They're about to win a game. He didn't seem very excited, Mo. <laughs> he just didn't seem very excited. So I don't know where Devontae Adams is at. I mean, he'll be in the press conferences this week, and we'll kind of see. But he's a pro. He's not going to sit there and rip his team. Uh, but he will He will speak the truth. He will say things if, he, if, he, if it's on his mind. But I look at this, too, and another one of the items, I agree with you. I think we said it many times, which was Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top quarterback. He is a bridge quarterback. So I wasn't expecting a lot, except for, to your point, protecting the ball. And then we heard a lot about, and we saw, he is more effective in the red zone. Whoa, that was a problem. We all had critical comments about Derek Carr and how he managed the team in the red zone. He didn't seem to be able to score. And by the way, excuse me, he's still not scoring in the red zone in New Orleans. So I think that's true. But Jimmy Garoppolo ain't scoring either. And neither is Brian Hoyer, neither is Aiden O'Connell. Like, this offense, and no matter who you have, but we were sold on Jimmy Garoppolo being more efficient in the red zone. And it just hasn't happened. They have not been able to do it. I was incredibly disappointed in, in, in McDaniel's response at the press conference after the game when they asked him specifically. Of course, any good reporter is going to ask about the red zone because the number was so glaring. <clears throat> and I'm going to sum up, and you can go listen to it on YouTube, but... I'm going to sum up McDaniel's answer, which is like, well, it's tighter down there. It's harder to run plays in the red zone, and uh, we got to get better. Well, they asked you the reasons why, and he said, there's a bunch of reasons. (laughs) There's a bunch of reasons. Now, I'm not saying a coach is going to go into an hour Trieste on why offense isn't working the red zone, (laughs) but you listen to other coaches, and other coaches say, hey, listen, you know what? We're not seeing routes. We're not getting off our man. They'll be specific because they understand what it is is, and they just got to work on the problem. But I don't know if he knows what the problem is, and maybe part of the problem or maybe a lot of the problem is him. I think he knows what the problem is, but I don't think he wants to disclose that with the media. Two things here. So I but did a bleach report. You can touch on it like, and give the media enough to do their job, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in defense of the media, but I am saying is – it's such a poor answer. It doesn't like even for the writer who has to write the quote, it's not giving the fan or the reader any insight into, hey, we know what it is and we're going to work on it. Even. I, I got you, Scott. But let's remember where Josh McDaniels comes from. <laughs> true, true. Where does Josh McDaniels come from? Does yeah. Bill Belichick ever give anything to the media? Even no. if he knows the answer, would he tell the media what's wrong with his red zone offense? Would he tell the media what's wrong with his offensive line blocking, run blocking, pass blocking? Is Bill Belichick going to give anything to the media at that point of, of a direct question, unless you're talking about a long snapper and Bill Belichick can talk an hour about a long snapper, <laughs> but is he going to give any specifics as to problems with his offense? No. Josh McDaniels comes from that tree. I don't want to call him Bill Belichick Jr. because he doesn't have the success Bill Belichick has uh, as a head coach, but he comes from a New England tree where they're not going to give you anything. And I've listened to Josh McDaniels talk, talk at the podium, and a lot of people want to make fun of him for saying, you know, 55 times in five minutes. But listen to Josh McDaniels at the podium and listen to him talking to his team. I listened to his post-game motivational speech. And at one time during that post-game motivational speech did I hear, you know. Now, I'm going off on a tangent here, but when a person uses a phrase over and over again, it's used to fill space because they don't know what to say. So when you hear Josh McDaniels say, you know, 85 times, it's because he's trying to find the right words to say to the media. He's not used to talking or sharing anything with the media that's worth noting. So he's going to fill that empty space with, you know, you know, you know, because he's trying to find the words to say. Now, again, if you listen to him in his post-game motivational speech, you don't hear the words, you know, one time because he's talking to his guys 
in the locker room. So my greater point is, if you're expecting some elaborate answer from Josh McDaniels, you're going to be waiting a very long time because you ain't going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm amazed though, that, that you don't see improvement. And, and again, I know a lot of people and look, well, you know what, let's take our final break. We'll come back and we'll finish the discussion. We'll get delve a little bit into the coaching here as, as we move on. Uh, This is silver and black today an Aussie original podcast here with Mo and Scott. We will be right back. Here we are, home stretch here on Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. We hope you're doing well out there, Raider Nation. Scott Branson and Mo Moten with you. Mo is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can catch him on the X.com at Mo Moten, M O E M O T O N. Uh, you can catch me at LV Gully. Also, read my work up on sportsnot.com as well. Okay, Mo. Let's, we were talking at the end of the last segment, we were starting to talk a little bit about coaching and we talked about the, uh, how, how Josh McDaniels press conferences bugged me and you said, be quiet. Um, and he's not going to give you much. And, and I agree with you on that one. But if we look at the coaching itself, a lot of fans like to, oh, it was a terrible play call, terrible play call. And, and sometimes they're right. And sometimes I think they're just upset with the result. And I get that. But I will say, I found myself on Sunday several times looking at sequences. So not one play, but looking at sequences. And when I look at what they're doing in the red zone, it's really strange. Between the 20s, I see Josh McDaniels a little more creative. Now, I understand the playbook shrinks when you get inside the 20. I get it, right? And even he said that in the press conference. But they get really, really, really tight in that red zone and I remember watching all of those great Patriots teams uh, where he called the offense, and I don't recall them being that conservative inside the red zone. Give me your best guess why that red zone offense is not firing on all cylinders and we're not seeing anything close to the creativity we saw when he was in New England. When you can't run the ball consistently or efficiently, it limits it limits what you could do. I'm being yeah. honest here. Yeah. I said it on my Bleacher Report Lab after the game. If you can't run the ball, we saw the Raiders try to run the ball on third and two to close the game. They couldn't get two yards. They lost a yard on that run before the Patriots got their last possession, right? So they can't run the ball consistently. So if you take that out of the playbook and, and teams aren't, I, I wouldn't say not respecting the run, but if you're not confident in your run game, there's not much you can do inside a closed area i'm not giving josh mcdaniels an out but if his offense isn't executing on those simple plays on run plays and now you're in a closed area where where if you if you don't execute properly that ball could be tipped up in the air and you have an interception you know then you're not gonna have a lot of success in the red zone i think it starts it stems and root it's rooted in the run game if the raiders had an effective run game they'd be more effective in the red zone. And if you're more effective in the red zone, the run game, then you can open up the pass because certain t- certain defenders would be playing up and hoping, not hoping, but anticipating that Josh Jacobs gets the rock. Now you have a wide receiver who's open on the far in the end zone. You have a tight end who's open in the middle of the end zone. Trust me, the run game opens up a lot. It's complimentary football. We talk about this a lot on the show. Right. And if we talk about that offensive line, so, so if the problem – Let's let's play. Uh, you're Dr. Mo. I'm Dr. Scott. And we're diagnosing the issue here. We know the offensive line is not run blocking uh, as well as they did last year. We also have the running back who might not be as play, playing as and it could be motivation. It could be all sorts of things. So you look at that and you say to yourself, OK, you're six weeks in. How do you fix it? I don't know that they can because this gets back to roster management. They went, and, and in some ways, I don't blame them, though. They ran the ball great last year, right? So if you, you have one change, you have Greg Van Roten up front at the right guard. Otherwise, if I'm the GM, I'm thinking, hey, they did well on the run last year. They needed to improve some areas here. We knew about the right side, which is why they addressed it. I don't know that I would have made a different choice. Now, of course, if you could upgrade on the offensive line, you do. But clearly, they don't feel like they were able to. Where? What do you do at this point? The best thing you do right now is to upgrade your right guard position. 
Because if Josh Jacobs isn't, as you said, he's part of the blame why the run game isn't what it is, then your best bet is to upgrade the offensive line. The Raiders are trying to do that because you're starting to see Thayer Mumford on the field more. Mm-hmm. So they are they are trying to make tweaks to their offensive line, which lets you know that they feel like their offensive line play could be a lot better. If you remember early in the season when they had six offensive linemen on the field, they still couldn't run the ball effectively. <clears throat> So, yeah. so part of it is, I don't know what's going on with Josh Jacobs. Part of it is, I, I think if you upgrade the guard position, because Dylan Parmas had his rough patches, Greg Van Roten, as we know, has been playing well the past couple or to few weeks. If you upgrade the guard position, maybe you get better results, but there's, there's nothing much you can do. You've already brought back Josh uh, Jacobs on a modifier franchise tech deal for $11.8 million, So you're not going to get rid of Josh Jacobs. You just have to get the most out of that offensive line, which, has, which as you said, has regressed from last year. Now, what about this, though? So, so I agree with you in the red zone. You know, you have to run the ball effectively because that's what opens up the pass. But what we are seeing is how defenses are playing this Raiders offense, which is they're stacking the box more for Josh Jacobs, right? They're getting people up there because that goes to me back to quarterback play. Because if you don't have a quarterback who you think is going to beat you down the field, what do you do? You take away their next their their their, their offensive weapon, Josh Jacobs, in the backfield. Um and, and you saw with Brian Hoyer, again, I know people were shocked when Brian Hoyer, as you mentioned in the first segment, gets the longest pass play, longest play of the Raiders offensive season to Trey Tucker. Um, but you saw Hoyer come out and Hoyer started to throw the ball down a little bit. And that made the Patriots adjust. And you saw Josh Jacobs, I think he had, what, a 10-yard run or a 9-yard run? That was his longest run of the game after Hoyer was in the game. So I think it goes back to your point about if you run the ball effectively, but it also has to do with quarterback play. What I would also try, if I'm in the red zone, if I'm the Raiders at this point, I would try to get the ball into Trey Tucker's hands. Mm-hmm. So how many times have we seen Trey Tucker get an end around or, or a sweep and he gets a bunch of yards? Now, I know it's a different situation because you're in, again, close quarters in the red zone, but I watched that Bills-Giants game last uh, on Sunday, and it's a copycat league, right? So I watched the Bills' offensive design in the red zone when they scored that touchdown to get the lead 14 to uh, 9, I believe it was. What they did was they had they used Stephon Diggs as a decoy inside the 20. So they had maybe the Giants had maybe two or three defenders watching Stephon Diggs. That drew coverage to the middle of the field. So they had Stephon Diggs run a crosser to the middle of the field. It drew like two, three defenders. And behind him was their speedy wide receiver who was wide open. So yeah. the Raiders can use that same design where they use Devontae Adams as a decoy, draw the defender's attention, and you have Trey Tucker come up behind him, easy touchdown. And again, it's a copycat league. And a lot of times teams watch other teams make, you know, make a play and they go, we should put that in our playbook. We should put that in our game plan. And I think if the Raiders were watching, if any Raiders coaches were watching that Bills game, I would use that design. I'm not saying use Devontae as a decoy, decoy at all times. I would actually throw him the ball if I could, if, especially if he has single coverage. But if he has double, triple coverage on him in the red zone, then somebody's going to be open, even in close quarters. Right, and with his speed, I mean, you even see what some of Miami's doing with their motion offense there, and, and there's plays there that they could lean from because they use Tyreek Hill that way. And I'm not comparing those two guys yet, obviously, but their speed is 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 similar. And so you can use that too. It's motion on the same side of the ball and you just move it and you're able to get him in space and, and pop the quick pass um, or, or bring him back behind the quarterback and run it. So there's all sorts of great things to do there. And that's, that's what I think the issue is here is they have to find it. But I know, I know nobody's going to be happy with Josh McDaniels. It's just interesting to f- see fire the coach after two straight wins. I don't know. If, you know, I, I see that very much. I know pe- he's not a huggable, likable guy, just like his boss in New England wasn't, right? Bill Belichick's never going to be one that you're going to say, oh, I, that guy's a great guy because he's just not warm and fuzzy to the public, that is. And so I get that piece of it, but you have to look at it. And I, I was telling people on the postgame show, Mo, and I'm sure you will were on your Bleacher Report Live as well, which is he's not going anywhere. They're not going to fire this guy again, unless something goes really, really wrong. And you start to see players speak out publicly and all kinds of jazz. He's not going anywhere, at least this year, I believe. Uh, And, and so you got to get used to it. I would not spend your energy worrying about firing the coach, even when he does make mistakes. And I do believe I'm still seeing coaching malpractice at times. I, I stand by that, but at the same time, is it the team's biggest issue? I don't believe so. Here's where I am in the Josh Daniels, the fire Josh Daniels 
whole deal is I don't engage in in the conversation simply because as long as the Raiders are winning, you're absolutely right. He's not going to get fired. I know the report came out this past week. Diana Racine had a report in the athletic that said if the Raiders don't start winning football games, Joshua Daniels could be out of a job. Well, the Raiders have won back-to-back games, and as I said, they're going to play <laughs> a possibly a backup undrafted rookie quarterback with the Chicago Bears and Tyson Badgett next week, so this upcoming Sunday. So as of right now, I don't see Joshua Daniels going anywhere. So if, at this point, it's a moot it's a moot conversation to even mm-hmm. broach right now because he if the Raiders were one and five, then I would I would engage more because then it's a possibility because they're one and five and the season's running off the rails. But they're three and three right now and then looking ahead to possibly going four and three. Mark Davis is not going to pull the trigger on a coach that's on a three game win streak. So why even discuss it at length? No, and we talked about it many times, and I I talk a lot about it with people in general when we're talking about the NFL, and that is that being in that NFL purgatory, that that eight nine win range is like the worst, right? Because you don't you don't get a top ten or a top five pick, and you're not at the bottom. You're kind of just in the middle, which is tough in the NFL. Even though the league is built for parity, by the way, so in many ways, a lot of teams are there. But I think that what people forget in that is you still have to build your team. Right. And you don't just build a team. Yes, if you can get a transcendent quarterback at the top of the draft, I get that. But even with Williams now, you saw his performance against Notre Dame, this performance two weeks ago. Um, some people are backing off him already and saying, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe he's not that guy. Now, I still think he goes number one overall, but maybe Drake May is better. Now you have Penix coming. What a game he had. Nick's had a great game in that game as well. So, so the conversation switches. What's true in week one. And what do we say all the time, Mo? It's a long season. And that includes college football. So players and evaluation, all that stuff, this will change. Remember last year at this time, who was the top quarterback in the draft? I mean, Will Levis was one of the guys, right? He's not even playing, didn't even go in the first round. So again, temper <laughs> your expectations there. But the Raiders, the, the Raiders' road to being a winning franchise and football team doesn't begin and end with getting a quarterback one through three overall. And that I know was the point you were making earlier about the, the top 10 picks. So, so when you look at that, I understand why, and I said this to Murph, I understand why people, part of them would like to lose so that they could get that, that crown jewel at the top of the draft. But that doesn't tell you anything. Doesn't mean he's going to work out. Doesn't mean you'll get there. And I, that's why I keep telling tank for Caleb, tank for Williams, tank for, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Are you going to be worse than the Broncos? You want to beat the Broncos twice, right? Or do you want to lose to the Broncos? Uh, I don't know. I don't think Raider fans want to lose to the Broncos. Not only that, but are you going to be worse than than the Carolina Panthers who are 0-6 right now? Because remember, the Carolina Panthers pick goes to the Bears. Yeah. The Bears are struggling. Justin Fields hasn't done enough to, to be that franchise guy yet. If the Bears get the number one overall pick, with the Carol via the Carolina Panthers who are 0 and 6. There are three games but there are three games behind the Raiders. They're 0 and 6. The Bears are slated to get the first pick. They're going to draft a quarterback to replace Justin Fields and Justin Fields will go somewhere else. And they're so going to get Marvin Harrison number 2. If they keep that. So they'll have yeah. they'll have that duo. But I go back to this, right? And I just like I said, I think fans who want to see the Raiders bottom out, it's a it's a two it's a it's, there's two things there. One, they want a top pick to get a quarterback. And two, they want Josh McDaniels to get fired. So yes. you get a new head coach, you get a new quarterback, prosperity. But what I will say in reality, it's it's not something that's foreseeable right now simply because of where the Raiders are in the standings. They're 3-3 three and three now. It's a long season. But for right now, the Carolina, they're like 14th in the draft order. <laughs> <laughs> and and like I said, as long as the Raiders are winning games, Josh McDaniels isn't going anywhere. So you might as well root for some wins, at least that's some solace for now. Because yeah, you are probably going to be headed to NFL purgatory with an eight, nine, seven, and ten record. I had the Raiders at six and eleven. So I I already thought that they were going to end the season in some middle ground. What the Raiders are going to have to do, and I go back to my point in the first segment is. That coach's staff, whoever, whatever quarterback they roll with, whether it's Aiden O'Connell, a guy they draft, someone they they trade for, a veteran, that coach's staff has to be able to put that quarterback in the best position to succeed. And the biggest problem with the Raiders is being that they, they're struggling to score 20 points. The defense had to get them over the 20-point mark. 
no one believes in this coaching staff that they can get a quarterback, you know, to play at their best because they haven't shown it yet. Yeah, very true. And, and that's the thing. I, look, I get it. I Fans want to get the best team possible, but there is not just one avenue, i.e. getting that quarterback at the top of the draft that gets you there, right? Clearly, if you went out and got the top quarterback in the draft, would you be comfortable with the offensive line you have right now? Mm, maybe, maybe not. I don't think most people would. Secondarily, I don't think that this team has all the other pieces it needs. So it needs to do, it needs to address a lot of issues and, and before it can be solid, you have to have depth in the NFL. Uh, and that's something that the Raiders need to be able to do as well here. So we'll see. Mo, all right, we're going to, um, we're going to, uh, take off for this show. We'll be back on Thursday with a new show. We'll talk Chicago bears and have a guest for you as well. Mo, what do you got coming up this week that people need to know about? Got a Bleacher Report live coming up on Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Subject and topic to be announced. I will also have a Sports Not piece coming up. Uh, just focusing on the defense. Again, there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of negativity around Josh McDaniels. But I think the defense deserves its due praise, along with Patrick Graham, for how they're playing, regardless of the competition. Because as I said, the Raiders are supposedly the get-right game for any offense this year. And that hasn't been the case over the past couple of weeks. Absolutely. All right. That's good. You can also uh, look for a show on Thursdays. I said, probably a, uh, a mailbag show coming up here on Wednesday as well. So stay tuned for that. Also, by the way, and before I forget, we, you can call in, make sure if you want to call in, um, and I'm trying to get the phone number up here. I should have it. Shouldn't I Mo? I mean, uh, if you want to <laughs> call in, you can call into the show as well, but you can also send us your email and we're getting lots of email now of, of people that have strong, uh, opinions on what's going on with this team. So you can always call us at 702-900-7869. That's 702-900-7869. Leave your name, where you're from, and then your question or comment. Try to keep it as brief as possible. Our good friend AJ DeMello, the comedian, left us a three-minute message. Which Shout to AJ. Like, yes, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to edit it down for the show, but but we'll have AJ on. But again, it's 702-900-7869. I'll put it in the description below uh, the, on the podcast and also on YouTube. You can also send us mail mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Send us your comments, questions on everything we've talked about, feedback for the show, whatever you want it to be. It's all good. But we will be back on Thursday talking all about it uh, as well. Mo, have a good week, my man. We'll talk to you real soon. Talk to you soon. By the way, somebody yes. on this show said Raiders 2016. The score was 2117. I don't yes, know who that I, was, I, but I'll just I'll just put that out there. Yes. I, I said 2414. So we were in the in the vicinity. I thought the Raiders would score more, and they should have. They should have had 21 points early in the second half, by the way. If they just convert in the red zone, which they can't do. So we were close. Good job. All right. For our producer, Mike Ravier, for a moment, and I'm Scott Colbrand. So take care, everybody. Don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care.